Welcome back to Knowledge Cast by Ideals, uh, presented by the Ideals Foundation. I'm Jack Williams, the founder of the Ideals Foundation, and we're excited to have you with us for our first season of our podcast. If you're interested in seeing what guests that uh, we have during our first season, you can just go to my personal website, jackwwilliams.com, and get the podcast button. Today, our guest is actually an alumnus of our Ideals Leadership Program uh, in Atlanta, Mike McDonald was in our 2005 class. We scheduled Mike so we could get him before his schedule becomes extremely hectic because Mike was just recently named the defensive coordinator for the University of Michigan football team. And in about another week or so, he's going to be going into hibernation, uh, preparing his players uh, to win games for the Michigan Wolverines. So Mike, welcome to our Knowledge Cast. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate it. I'm very excited to be here. Well, first, I think we got two congratulations that need to be made. Uh, first, congratulations on being named defensive coordinator at University of Michigan. And second, congratulations on your recent wedding. That's a lot of firsts for you in 2021. <laughs> I know. It's funny. You know, actually, we actually got uh, got engaged two years ago, and uh, really neither one was, was anticipated. We had to push back the wedding one year because of COVID, and then obviously we weren't anticipating this opportunity to come along. So it's been an exciting 2021 for sure. I would say. Well, let's uh, get into a little bit about how you got into coaching. You didn't necessarily follow the normal pattern. And while attending the University of Georgia, you decided to start coaching at a local high school. How did that come about? Yeah, that's right. So my my high school coach's name is uh, Xavier Smith at Centennial High School. And uh, when I went to the University of Georgia, he finished out at, at Centennial and got a job at Cedar Shoals High School, which is which is in the Athens area. And um, you know, I got hurt my during my senior year, actually, after I went through ideals and ended up being kind of a de facto coach while I was still in high school and really loved the process. And uh, when the opportunity arose, you know, right around the corner, I just felt this, uh, you know, itch and calling inside of me to say, hey, this is an opportunity you can't pass up. And, um, you know, once I started to work for him, that was something I really fell in love with. So uh, that's how I got my start. It was a great, great couple of years in East Athens. Well, you had another situation develop and, and got you into coaching at the University of Georgia. Um, how did that happen? Well, once I once I kind of realized that, that this was uh, something that I wanted to pursue throughout my life, you know, coaching, I kind of just became a, a, a pest to the <laughs> University of Georgia <laughs> office. Spent about two years in a row sitting outside Coach Tereshinsky's video office, uh, just waiting for something to open up. And finally, you know, about two months before I actually graduated college, um, they said, you know, Coach Grantham was the defensive coordinator at the time. And he said, hey, well, uh, if you can get into grad school, we'll, we'll let you come volunteer. And finally, I said, OK, let's roll. So I somehow convinced him to let me into grad school there and took out a, took out a big old loan and, and went to work. So uh, very fortunate to, to get that opportunity. And if it wasn't for that, then, you know, I, my uh, career probably would have gone in a different direction. Well, I know having been a college coach myself, that breaking into college, uh, you normally get a lot of the duties that are not the fun part of coaching. What are some of the things <laughs> they had you do in those first couple of years? Shoot, you name it, man. I mean, I remember uh, Sunday night was family, you know, family dinner night. So I'd be setting up tables and chairs and and meals on Sundays. So anything from that to running the scout team. To, and we had, you know, there was no digital copies of playbooks back then. So we were running, you know, building notebooks and playbooks and drawing plays and breakdowns. I mean, 
it was a trial by fire. And a lot of times we felt like we were uh, drinking out of a fire hose uh, on the support staff. This is before each support staff was like a, you know, a solitary army on each side of the ball. Now I mean, we only had three, three, four people on defense rather than about 10. Right. So, um, you know, we had our hand in everything and, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. I mean, it was, uh, it was stressful at the time, but looking back at it, I mean, uh, you really had a great understanding of, of how an organization worked and what was needed on, you know, for anything to, for anything to happen, there had to be so much to go into it behind the scenes. And I was fortunate enough to be part of that. So uh, I wouldn't have traded it for the world. I think most, most coaches that start that way, gripe and complain while they're doing it. And then they look back and realize it, it really was a lot of fun and, and really start building some nice relationships. Yes, absolutely. Uh, let's jump forward. Now uh, you made a pretty mother may I big jump there and jump from Georgia to the Baltimore Ravens. How, how did that happen? And what kind of responsibilities did you have while you were there with the Ravens? I know you went through several different areas of responsibility. Yeah, sure. So um, back in 2014, John Harbaugh decided to uh, kind of cast a big net throughout college football and bring in some young cheap labor that would kind of be loyal to him and become one of his guys. And, um, you know, to make a long story short, um, I had kind of been in the, the Ravens kind of network uh, over the last year or two before then. And uh, so they reached out and, you know, I had taken a job with KPMG, the consulting firm before, right, right when that was about to happen. And, uh, you know, I was about ready to hang them up, hang up the whistle. But when the Ravens come calling, it was a dream come true. And, you know, and uh, moved to Baltimore the next week and we were rolling. But uh, it was an internship, just like any other internship you'd get, you know, throughout corporate America or, you know, any, any other opportunity as you're leaving college. And similar to experience in Georgia, you're just you're trying to add value and trying to help out any way you can. So um, there was no 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 task that was you know, too small. And we just, we were just trying to help out wherever we could and, and provide value for the team. Um, I think they were trying to figure out what, what, what that internship was supposed to look like as well. So we, we kind of helped carve that out into a, uh, into a role that I felt like, um, you know, the Ravens used over the next few years. That was, that was very, very helpful to help, you know, to that led to the success of the organization. What a great organization to be a part of with John Harbaugh and Ozzie Newsom. I mean, they're, they're a model organization and you couldn't have found a better one to, to get your first exposure to professional football. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt. They're first class all the way. And uh, it starts with Mr. Bashadi up top. And, you know, the, it's a funny story. The first day I'm, you know, I'm a first day intern with the Baltimore Ravens and the legendary awesome Ozzie Newsom is walking down the hall and I'm walking in the opposite direction towards him. And he goes, Hey Mike, how's it going? You know, and I'm like, this guy knows my name, you know, and I was just like, man, this is, this is awesome. You know, I'm, I'm in it. Like, this is great. And Ozzie Newsom knows my name. I mean, I was, you're getting off your knee from bowing, right? That was, that was special. And I told him that when I, when I left, I took the uh, job here at Michigan, I went and thanked him and I said, I'll never forget that. And that's just a, a great example of just how you treat people throughout your organization. So that was, that was, that was big time. What was the uh, mindset uh, that got you to leave the Ravens and, and move into a, a great responsibility there at the University of Michigan? Wow, that's a great question. You know, when you, when you get into coaching, you know, you have goals for yourself. And one of my goals was to be a defensive coordinator and to uh, be in a leadership role where you, you can serve the rest of the defense and, um, 
and make it yours. You know, one of the reasons that you get into this business is you feel like there's a certain way to do things and to operate and to treat people uh, schematically and, you know, like with, the, with your staff and just as, you know, in a leadership position. And so that was a big time goal of mine. I wasn't anticipating it to be the University of Michigan as my first opportunity, but uh, you know I'm I'm, I'm very blessed that uh, Coach John Harbaugh, you know had a, had enough trust in me where he would uh, recommend me to to his brother, um, and to help him out. You know, so when the opportunity arose, you know I was a little bit in shock to be honest with you when it first happened, but I was like, man, this is a dream of mine, and uh, I'm leaving a great organization, and uh, I loved it there, and but. This is uh this is this is something that you know we got we got to go for. Well, it's a great it's a great opportunity. I know you've only had you know less than a few months in the college world, but can you can you describe the differences between the pro life and the college life from a coaching perspective? Yeah, sure. You know the first thing I it's actually more alike than it is different. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, it's still 11 on 11 out there. And I, I actually joke when you talk to talk to folks that are outside of football and they try to have me explain, I go, hey, look, we're selling football widgets. You know, yeah. I mean, organizations are organizations. It's, the dynamics are pretty similar throughout. You know, you're working with people, you're motivating folks. Um, you're trying to get everybody aligned towards a common goal. Uh, you're trying to be out the best of your people. Um, now, I mean, it's a little bit different that the, the guys are a little bit younger and they're a little bit, you know, on the, on the beginning end of kind of their, their growth development journey, you know, per se, but, um, you know, it's more like than it is different and it's been a joy to work with, you know, the, the guys are, uh, there's so much potential there that you can see in them and it's, it's, uh, it's exciting to have a big vision for these folks and then try to help them get there. Well, at least right now, you, you make more than your players in, in the pros. That wasn't the case, right? I, I don't know how that's long right. that's going to last. <laughs> that's right. And I'm older than the players that I'm coaching. You know, there's a couple of guys yeah. that, that, that was had a few years on me. I'm like, hey, you know, come some Yeah, time. I was going to say you had a double whammy on you there because you you were one of the youngest assistants in the professional ranks. And, you know, you, uh, you talk about coaching regardless of what level. What do you think are the successful traits that, or I should say, maybe the traits that people that are successful in the college profession, uh, what are some of the common traits that you've noticed that they possess? Yeah, I think that um, the great coaches that I've been around have, have kind of a servant leadership mindset. Um, they're there to, to work with their players, uh, to serve them, to help develop them. And uh, they really have their players' best interests at heart. I will say this, like I, the guys have big expectations and high standards for their players. Like they got to hold them to a, to a level of accountability that uh, sometimes their players don't actually realize that they're able to do that. You know, um, it's kind of our job to, to set that, that big vision for them, you know, so they can, they can believe in themselves so they can, they can get to where we believe that they can get. Um, but even at the pro level, like guys really want to be coached. You know, and and even though it's professional football and the guys are super millionaires and all that and they got um, ungodly ability, you know, they're 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 young men and they want to they want to have relationships and uh, they want people to invest in them and their development on and off the field and communicate with them and be honest. And all those, I mean, all those things just and you got to do it in your own way. You got to be you got to be real. You got to be genuine. 
um, just be yourself. And I think uh, no matter, and I think no matter where you're coming from, high school, college, football, whatever, you know, where NFL, whatever angle that is, I, I think that that's a, a common denominator uh, throughout coaching. I would agree. You know, you, uh, you've already, you mentioned earlier about you're about to take a consulting job and you've had several of your responses have kind of almost been a consulting mindset. Uh, <laughs> but uh, one of the last questions I'd like to ask you is there's, I think there's a lot of similarities and you touched on it a little bit between coaching sports and leading organizations because, uh, you know, both jobs do involve working with people, help them develop and reach their potential. If you were going to go into the business world and we've got people that are listening to this podcast that are former ideal students, they're business people, men, women. Uh, if you were to go into the business world, what would you take with you from coaching that you feel would help you be successful in business? Uh, yeah, I think, I think that's, um, I think it's kind of, there's two parts to this really. I mean, strategically, which is probably the less important of the two, but you know, we go through kind of a project life cycle once a week or one, you know, 12 times a year, once a week. And it is, you know, hundred miles an hour during those, during those times. So you have this limited amount of time to, uh, go through a whole, uh, life cycle per se. And, um, I think coaching forces you to take a, a broad perspective and see the big picture of what you're trying to accomplish and then be able to break that down into action steps and kind of mobilize your people. Uh, so you can get the objective done. So, I mean, strategically, that's been a big help, you know, and you're kind of forced to do that um, in a kind of an immediate time frame. And then, you know, outside of all the strategy and stuff and just working with people, um, having a sense of purpose and getting people aligned, I think that's, I think that's huge. And that really just comes through just an insane amount of communication and then different conversations, whether it be with the whole group you know, or private conversations one-on-one -on -one that you have to have. And I think as a leader and something that I'm learning here at Michigan, I mean, you know, we had less people. I went from a room of guys where I either had anywhere from four to 10 guys in my room. You know, now I got 50 guys in my room, you know, so being able to have a relationship and understand how those guys tick is, is, is a, is a challenge, you know, and it definitely takes more of an investment time-wise outside of football to, to, to really understand who you're working with. And, and, um, and how and what they see and, and their goals and their hopes and dreams and all that kind of stuff. But um, it's important. Wanna, like I said, it's, it's like selling widgets, you know, I mean, we're just, that's what it is. And, you know, if we just keep communicating and, um, and everybody is aligned that way, I think, I think that that uh, translates across, you know, from football to anything else. One of the things that translated for me from coaching to, to business was that, you know, you've got to communicate the, the message equally to everybody, but you got to motivate people individually. Uh, everybody has a different set of keys that kind of cranks their engine. Uh, one lesson when I was coaching, I was reviewing film on a Sunday morning and the quarterback had made a bad mistake, mental mistake, and it cost us a bad play. And unfortunately, the head coach happened to walk in right when I was playing back that tape. And he said, what in the world is he doing? And I said, coach, I have told him and told him and told him when they do this, we have to do this. And he got up into that bad breath area of uh, distance from me. And he said, I don't care how many times you told him, it's obviously you didn't teach him. And I learned there's a big difference in telling and teaching. And uh, that has really helped me uh, going through um, my business career. 
Well, Mike, uh, have you already started working on that last team that you on your schedule? Done any, done any work on that already? Don't give me this. Uh, we play them one at a time. I know all that. Hey, we put we put some time in. <laughs> I bet you we have. put some time in. We're uh, yeah, we're ready to go. Good. <laughs> Mike, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today and very best of luck this season, particularly against that team in Ohio. Hope you enjoyed today's time together and we'll encourage others to join us on our next podcast. Until then, I hope you'll make it your goal to be a positive influence in the lives of others.